Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and check out all the stuff that you can get so that you'll have those daily reminders that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people just like you. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is a single mom who went from burned out in the corporate workforce to running her own business successfully. She's going to share tips and tricks today on how you can avoid burnout, how you can keep a great work-life balance, and the tattoo you should never get if you want a professional job. Please help me welcome Dr. Gyla Greenlee. Dr. Gyla, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well, and I have to tell you, I'm just loving this conversation already because you are literally radiant right now. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yes, for those who can't see, your skin is gorgeous. You look magnificent. I did earlier say I was a little jealous. I'll (laughs) I'll deal with that some other time, Um, but Looking good. Looking good, Dr. Gyla. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. I would love it if you would tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I'm Dr. Gyla Greenlee. Uh, I live in Casper, Wyoming, and I have a business called Dandelion Leadership Coaching, where I help uh, leaders and emerging professionals transform their wishes into reality. And, uh, you know, like that, man, I wish I had more time or I wish I knew how to deal with that difficult employee or I wish I knew how to strategize better, you know, those kinds of business related and even personal things that that hang us up, Um, just help through coaching and workshops and speaking, um, help people transform those wishes into their reality. I love that. And one of the things I saw on your website that I thought was super cool was that you say that you're here to help people get there. Yeah. How'd you come up with that? That phrase? phrase, Yeah. um, (laughs) You know, I don't even remember at this point. Because it's perfect. You know, it's my, my background. I have some background in journalism and I have some background in in nonprofit management. And um, before I I left to get my doctorate and and start this business, I was the CEO of a trade organization. And um, and, and just a lot of the things that I try to work with 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 Dandelion are the things I wish I'd had when I was a CEO. And so I guess that kind of, you know, it's like, man, I wish I'd had this then to get me to where I could have been. Um, but now I'm, you know, I'm going to help someone else go from where they're at to where they wish they were. Which is such a cool thing to do because so many people would wish they had these tools, but then just stuff them in their own toolbox and go on Mm -hmm. their merry way. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I've learned over the years is why not? You know, we, there's so many people and I challenged myself with this and I started challenging other people. Um, with, you know, oh, I wish I could go to Ireland and, uh, is, is something I hear people say all the time. Well, I've been twice and I started going, well, why not? And, and so, you know, oh, well, it's this or, oh, it's that. And I had all those things with myself and I had someone saying, but you have time off, you have money and savings, you have all this. So I went and it was one of the best things I did Went on a, a all by myself trip to, to Ireland for two weeks. <laughs> That is amazing. I am so envious of people that are comfortable traveling like that, you know, like international travel and things on their own, because I'm good. You know, I travel a lot for work, so I'm fine traveling, but there's something Mm -hmm. about going to another country um, that kind of makes me a little eh, about being alone. So yeah, how awesome was it? It was, it was great. And I've traveled internationally with other people before. So I'd, I'd been in, in group settings and, and then I'd always thought that, you know, as you age and you get to retirement and, and so if you think, oh, I'm going to travel with that significant other or whatever, well, I ended up getting divorced and I've not remarried. And I was like, 
and my kids were all like, so go on your own. You don't have to have somebody else to go with you. Don't stop living because you don't have a partner to do things with. And, um, and I actually loved it. I, it was so great. I got to do whatever I wanted to do on my own time when I wanted to, I was in my head a lot, but that was okay. You know, and then I got to come home and tell everybody about it. I love that you did that. And I, I love that you had the confidence to do it because I think so many of us do run into that issue of all the excuses, you right. know, exactly. well, I, I can't because of X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. And it's just this rolling list mm -hmm. of reasons why we can't do whatever it is. Right. Why do you think generally that we do that to ourselves? I think a lot of our society and, and everything around us tries to put us in boxes, you know, and we're defined by who we think we are, or who we think we want to be. And, and we just get in the, you know, I mean, like, I don't know about, you know, my generation, a lot of it was, oh, you can't do that. Oh, girls can't do that. Oh, you know, women can't do that. And, you know, and, and a lot of people, as we see, you know, that glass ceil ceiling is being broken every day. Um, but we get into that mentality of, you know, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't, there's all these reasons that we tell ourselves and, and everybody around us tells us that we can't do something. And we have, when we shift that thinking and start saying, why not? Why can't I? What would really happen if I did this? What's the worst case scenario to this? It's, it just is a massive shift and, and start doing things that, you always thought were just dreams, just wishes, um, but they can really happen. I can totally relate to that because I told you earlier, I live in Breckenridge, Colorado, and you mm -hmm. can probably tell by my accent that I am not from here. No. <laughs> so my husband and I would vacation here every year mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. every year we would come out and we would say, oh my gosh, one day I want to live here. One day mm -hmm. we're going to move here one day, one day, one day. Right. And so in 2015, in January, we were here and we were saying that again, one day I'm going to move here. And I looked at him and I said, well, why not now? Yeah. You know, I work from home so I can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. So what yeah. if I come out here, you know, try it out. Cause you know how it right. is with, is the place really going to be as great as you right. think it is? Absolutely. And if you go during the summer, <laughs> or right. the winter, if you're a skier, you know, <laughs> right. You just, you just never know what you're going to get. Uh, so, you know, I, we uh, found a condo and I came out here and uh, that was, seven years ago. Um, and you know, we've been here ever since and, and we mm -hmm. bought property. I think in that moment, it was easy for me. It didn't feel scary, but what do we tell the people that are just overwhelmed with fear at really taking that first step to one of their dreams? You know, and that is what it is, is that first step, you know, um, in, in a, biblical sense that, that my sister a story my sister shared with me one time is that you know in the bible it always talks about the um there's a lamp unto my feet and you know and the, that that lamp lights our way well when you look at history and you look at you know what was like what was life like back in those times they would put a little candle like between their toes in their sandal and and light that and that would light one step at a time literally just one step at a time. And I think that's what we have to do with those dreams is take that baby step. Just one little step. You don't know how, have to know how it's going to turn out. You don't have to have all the answers. And I'm the type of person, I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm very much into, into type coach. I'm a master certified um, professional with type coach, which is um, the Myers-Briggs type mm -hmm. of personality type, but it's, um, it's, it's based on that Jungian stuff. And as an ESFJ, the mm -hmm. SJ temperament is very responsible. And that's our driver. That's our primary driver is to be responsible. So I've actually had to battle that strength in mm -hmm. myself to release and go, it's okay to do something that the rest of the world doesn't see as responsible and, um, and let go of these preconceived ideas of what I need to be like or how I need to live. So when somebody's 
wanting to take that first step, I think that tiny little candle on the end of a sandal and just take that first step, dip the toe in the water, as they say, and try it. And then realize, take a breath and realize I'm still alive. The world didn't end. The world didn't crash around me. And then take that next little step. I want to say to everybody, we are not advocating that you put actual candles right. in the toes. <laughs> right. um, I think it sounds great, but I can, <laughs> I can see the emails now as people yeah. are like, but my foot got burned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, <laughs> yeah, what? But my feet are really soft now. Yeah, um, it's a great way to, to wax off the, 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 big, the hair on your big yes, toe. Yes, <laughs> there you go. But I love that analogy because I think it really breaks it down into something that makes it much less scary mm -hmm. and much more doable for most of us to to look at and say yes maybe I can do that yeah yeah what what do you think is the best first step for people like take that little step but when when you had that negativity and that fear for so long what is the best first step to just get your toe wet one of the things that I, I like that I really focus on with my clients is getting to know themselves, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and a lot of that through type coach through, um, be a character strengths is a free assessment out there. Um, you know, different things, just kind of get to know yourself a little bit more. And by knowing who you are and how you're wired for me, what it's done is allowed me to grant myself more grace to forgive myself mm -hmm. for some things. Um, that, you know, like if I didn't respond to something as well as I thought I should have, I can go, oh, well, it's because of this wiring, which doesn't mean that you have to be stuck in a pattern. We can all move outside of those things, but just to give yourself grace and compassion to yourself, forgiveness mm -hmm. to yourself, and then say, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to try this one little thing and maybe don't tell people about it. A lot of times people make these grand announcements i'm going to lose 100 pounds in the next six months you know and then then they feel like all eyes are on them and maybe you need that for accountability but maybe you need to just tell yourself and no one else that you're going to try this and take that one little step and see how it goes and reassess and and then try the next little step and without the big audience it's so interesting to me that you said that because we just had a guest on, uh, her name is Vicki, and Vicki had pretty much the exact same advice in that, you know, when we set these goals for ourselves, we don't have to tell other people, right? because so often then not only are we battling our own fears at that point, yes. but then you got the people saying, you can't do that. Are you crazy? Right. And right. waiting for you to fail. Like you mm -hmm. said, how mm -hmm. hard is it to, to switch people to that? Because the, the common thought process is often got to tell everybody your goals so they can keep yeah. you accountable. Right. So yeah. How yeah. hard it is was, it to switch over? Um, you know, obviously that's going to depend on each individual. Um, you know, I think for, for introverts, it's probably maybe a little bit easier because they'll have to keep things a little closer to the vest anyway. Um, and for extroverts like me, we tend to just, you know, blurt out everything that, <laughs> that we're thinking and, and uh, process it out loud as we go. Um, so like, so for an extrovert and, and like, like I said, like me, it's a little harder. And I think it's just that changing how we talk to ourselves, practicing more positive self-talk. And that's been a struggle for me over my life, but, uh, you know, it's a constant, I don't think you're ever just arrive and we're there. It's, it's a process that we continue throughout our lives and little baby steps in. So change the way we talk to ourselves to give ourselves that courage to take that next little step. I agree with you. My husband, if he were here, he would be shaking his head wildly in agreement <laughs> because something actually happened today. So I hate being on the phone. I hate making phone calls. Oh my God. Like my phone is for texting and emailing and yeah. searching the internet. Like, yep. why are you going to call me? You know, yeah. somebody called me today and I didn't say hello. I said, really? Really? <laughs> 
So, but that's not the thing that happened. So I had to make a phone call today. Um, but this is a thing, you know what I mean? It's not just like normal people who are like, oh, I have to make a phone call and they pick up their phone and they dial. This is like an all day event for me of like, mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. to make a phone call today. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. my phone call is at 1.30. And then like the whole day is leading up to the phone call. Yes. And so like an hour before the phone call, I looked at my husband and I said, I'm super stoked for this phone call. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me as though I had three heads and an alien <laughs> was one of them. And he's like, what now? And I was like, well, I'm trying to convince myself yes. that it's going to be great. And then yes. it will be great. Uh-huh. And so went and did the phone call, came back. And I was like, that was the nicest guy ever. And he was <laughs> like, see, I told you, but it's amazing. Just the smallest little things that we tell ourselves can truly affect everything that we do. And it can turn, you know, a dummy like me into like stressing about a phone call literally from like 6.30, well, Mm 6 when I got up this morning until 1.30 when I made the phone call. Yeah, yeah. What is wrong with us? (laughs) And I mean me, so. (laughs) Oh, no, because you're not the only one who does that. And, you know, and I think, you know, it is some of that where we get to dwelling on the things that we dislike more than we're dwelling on what we do like. And, um, and that's one of the things that, um, that I, that I share with clients and I've shared it in the book that I have written that's coming out in August, um, that, you know, if we focus on our strengths and focus on what we're really good at, we're going to get better and better at those instead of focusing on our weaknesses. Because a lot of, a lot of things out there tell us, you know, identify your weaknesses and then try to make them better. But that's actually almost reverse psychology. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, it's, it doesn't really always work that way because then you end up dwelling on the weakest part of yourself and, and then you're frustrated and you're struggling. And so if you can focus on your strengths, Um, and one example for me is that, uh, as part of getting my doctorate in strategic leadership, we did a whole thing on Clifton strengths and and you do the top five Mm -hmm. strengths, but the, the Gallup Clifton strengths and my top three are communication responsibility and the woo factor. And I was like, what the heck is woo? I am not a woo girl. You know, to me, like a woo girl is like, you know, and that's not me. So then my professor explained it as it means winning others over. And it's a way of being able to make an immediate connection with people. And so as we were discussing that on our Zoom meeting, all my, some of my classmates were texting me going, I felt a connection to you right away. You pulled me in right away. And so then I realized, okay, yeah, I do very quickly warm up to people. And so then you mix that with communication mm-hmm. and though, then I can apply those strengths to dealing with my weaker area, like conflict. I hate conflict and most feelers do. And um, so by focusing on my strengths of communication, responsibility, and connecting with others, I can use those strengths to deal with a conflict issue. And get through it more successfully than if I was just dwelling on the fact that I hate conflict. I feel like we should drop a microphone right now or <laughs> spray some confetti. I mean, that, that was really amazing because I, you're right. People focus on their weaknesses and then just get wrapped up in that mm-hmm. instead of looking at it the way you said, where no, let me use these good things that I do and make those help me deal with these other things. Yeah. I do like conflict. I love a good scene. So (laughs) that there is that, you know, through the pandemic, a lot of us uh, have started working from home or continued working Mm -hmm. from home. I know one of the things that you uh, help people with is a work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear, you know, some of your thoughts on that and some of the things that people can do to have a better work-life balance and make sure they're getting done what they need to get done for work, but they're not mm-hmm. sacrificing their home life, especially right. if work is at home. 
Right. And that is difficult when it is at home. And, you know, and like for solopreneurs, it's our life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really hard to, you know, it's who we are and what we do. And so it's kind of hard to break that off. Um, But I learned the hard way uh, through when I was a CEO, I let all my boundaries be blurred. And I absolutely dedicated everything to that job. And then I came to an emotional and physical absolute burnout. And, um, And I realized in hindsight that what I thought was being responsive to my leadership, um, being available to my members, you know, things that I, in, in my head, told myself were good things that made me a better CEO, they were actually the things that broke me uh, because I was too available. Mm-hmm. I would answer those 6 a.m., text messages, or I'd be thinking about something and unable to get to sleep. So I'd get up and fire off an email at 10 o'clock at night. And um, I'd still be responsive during vacation time and, and stuff. And I actually had one of my, my presidents, um, I had a new president every year, which meant I had a new boss every year. Mm-hmm. And in, in one of my reviews, he said, you know, we give you more vacation than your staff gets because a healthy you is worth more to us than a broken you. Mm-hmm. And that was really valuable for a while, but you know, I'd already gotten into bad habits. Right. And so it was really hard to break those. So then when I first left that and started this business, my dad was watching me one day and he's like, you're doing the same thing. You're putting everything into this one basket mm-hmm. and, and, and not um, taking time to relax. And so I now am like scheduling fun, you know, and I encourage that to my clients as well. I have one client right now that I'm working with that I'm like, what brings you joy? And in her case, she said, riding her bike. And I said, then once a week, just once a week, try to get a bike ride in. And she's saying that how much that's changing her mindset. And so the, again, back to baby steps, you know, um, and trying to separate out how those times I'm going to go work for two hours, set the timer if you have to, and then I'm going to go work out in the garden or, you know, or something. And that's what I'm having to do to break that up and not just work all the time. Cause I work from home. I'm mm-hmm. um, have again, grace, compassion, and permission to ourselves to it's okay to go do something you enjoy because then you're going to be better when you come back to the job. I used to struggle as well because I worked from home for several years. And for me, it was a thing of, well, you know what? I'm, I'm just sitting here on the couch anyway. Mm-hmm. I might as well just answer these emails at 10 p.m. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's like you said, though, it's so hard to break out of that. It is. How difficult is it if you are the polar opposite? So what if you are somebody that is like, yeah, I'll just do that work tomorrow. It'll still be there. What do they need to do other than some work? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there again, I think it's that, um, you know, trying to keep promises to ourselves Mm -hmm. and, um, and that accountability to others, you know, like one of the things that I think of is, you know, like I'm the CEO of my business. It's, it's very different than when I was an actual CEO of a trade organization and I had leadership to respond to and I had staff and everything, but now I have clients that, and you know, as you know, a business is made, it's make or break on your reputation. Mm-hmm. So I have to remind myself if I don't follow through and get this contract out to this person, I'm not making the reputation that I want. If I, you know, so yes, there's always a reason why I can get that contract out tomorrow or why I can send that bio over to this person tomorrow. But I try to remind myself, what is the reputation I'm trying to build? And what, if they're going to leave me a Google review, what do I hope they say about me? And then that helps me anyway, kind of spur me to get that work done. (laughs) Do you think where people like us need to schedule fun time? And and I do just want to say quickly, 
I had an author on here recently. She writes for 20 minutes and then eats ice cream every 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So that's cool. She said yeah, sometimes yeah, chocolate. For her. <laughs> yeah. And she's tiny. So you go girl. Um, but yeah, so, so let's say, you know, where we would schedule our fun time. Do you think that the reverse works yeah. for the other side where it's like, okay, I'm going to schedule my two hours of work and then mm -hmm. I'm going to go scroll on Facebook for 20 minutes. Yeah. And there are a lot of apps out there that you can use for um, productivity or like, uh, what is it, uh, Pomodoro, or I think is one okay. uh, stuff where where you can actually set the the timer mm -hmm. or set the something that will do like a countdown or something and to help you hold your focus um, to get your work done. And like I use um, a, a program to it's kind of a CRM and, mm -hmm. and does my invoices and all of that kind of stuff. And it has, you know, it's like, if you're keeping time because you have to bill it, mm -hmm. I'm not billing the time, but to help me focus, I'll set the timer and go, Oh, wow. I just spent, you know, 20 minutes. And, and then oftentimes it's that first, but we were talking about baby steps. Mm -hmm. You know, if you say, I'm going to sit down for five minutes and I'm going to respond to this email once you've done that, it's like it's priming the pump mm -hmm. and then you get going. But the longer we put off doing the things that we know we need to do, it's easier to keep putting it off and putting it off. Same thing with once we, I'm going to do this one little task and then you go, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. And you start doing the next one. <laughs> the issue I ran into with timekeeping, so I used to use Toggle and um, I, I loved it and hated it. I'm a very competitive person. There you so go. Yeah. I would like want to work all the hours. You know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I want to toggle yeah. all the time because I'm crushing it over here. Yeah. So again, what is wrong with me? But is that again, the time where I, you know, somebody like me would just need to say, you know what? It's not a competition. Schedule right. your fun time and yeah. take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe you need to use toggle for the fun time. time, you know, I'm going to beat the toggle, you know, with, the, with the watching a movie or taking a walk or, or something. If you're that competitive with it, you know, it's like the GPS. I'm, I'm one of, you know, when you put it in and it says, it'll take you four hours to drive there. I'm like, I got to beat the GPS. Right. Right. No, I can do it in 350. Yeah, yeah. Don't go to the bathroom for this whole time. <laughs> I love it because I'm constantly looking at that and I'm like, oh, I gained a minute. Yes. Yeah, yeah me too. Because yeah, I'm also a rule follower. So I don't, uh -huh. speed. I mean, I'll go like five over, set my cruise control. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, but I still <laughs> like, you know, it's like I'm gaining yeah. time and right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy. It is. <laughs> and so if we know those things about ourselves in our work, if those are our strengths in our work area, transfer them over to our fun area and you know maybe take what's working for us over here and make it work for us on the other side i love that so that's a great piece of advice and what i want people to do who are watching and listening is find that one thing that brings you joy mm -hmm. or you know pick one and mm -hmm. weekly we want you to start setting a calendar for yourself to do that fun thing at least once a week yeah, I think that's I think that's a baby step that everybody yeah. can accomplish. Well, that's like one. You know, the big question I always ask myself is, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if you look at the worst case scenario, what's going to happen? What? How? How is your life going to fall apart completely if you take one hour to go do something that makes you feel better about yourself? Exactly. And once you start looking at, yeah, what what really would happen? It's almost laughable <laughs> in some ways what we do to ourselves you know how we convince ourselves that the world's going to collapse if we don't take that time right right and guess what it doesn't <laughs> much to our dismay you know yeah. everything's still going to be standing when we get yep. back from our hour yep. activity right yeah so what goes along with that i feel like is burnout because when you are a you or a me mm -hmm. who 
doesn't have the right balance. And even, you know, in certain professions, I know you mentioned that you did a lot of work with nonprofits and a lot of those can be very stressful. So how do we deal with burnout and how do we either avoid it altogether, if that's even possible, or at least try to minimize it so we're still happy and productive? I think it goes back to all the things that we've been talking about um, that, you know, get to know yourself how you're wired, why you react the way you react, um, and then learn to identify those triggers Mm -hmm. and start paying attention, start noticing what's triggering me. Um, You know, one of the things I did when I left the the association before I decided to leave, so I did a lot of journaling and I wrote a lot of, you know, this is what I love about my job. This is what I hate about my job, you know? And then I went back kind of through my whole work history and went, Mm -hmm. what have I always loved at my jobs? What have I always hated at my jobs? And then went back and went, what can I delegate? What am I doing just because I think I have to do it, but what would happen if I didn't, you know, and started kind of sifting through those things. And um, some things that I really hated doing, I was able to trade with, with one of my staff members that she didn't mind doing it, but there was something on her plate that she hated. So we just traded the task. Um, and that helped relieve some of that stress and, um, and then, you know, and then just making sure to shut the phone off. Um, that was a big thing I had to learn to do was I disabled my work email when I went on vacation, because if it still came in, Mm -hmm. I would still look at it and I would still deal with it. So I'd just go into my settings and switch it off for the time I was on vacation And then I'd switch it back on and yeah, I'd have a backlog of emails to deal with, but it cleared my head during Mm -hmm. that, which is what vacation is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you that break from the constant thinking about the work. And so I just learned to do that, you know, or some people carry two separate cell phones. That was too much for me. I couldn't Mm -hmm. keep up with that, but some people have a work phone and a, and a personal phone and then just leave the work phone off at night and right. during vacations. But I found that if I turned off the emails, that mm-hmm. made a huge difference in my stress level when I was off for the weekend even. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause otherwise I'd work all weekend. I'd work all night. <laughs> Right. I love that idea because I was really proud of myself. I had a three day weekend last weekend and I looked at my emails, but I did not respond. Um, but yeah. I had to like convince myself, you know, like, this can wait till Tuesday. It's, it's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And you know what? The world did not end. It didn't. Yeah. And you know, when I was working on my, my final project for my, for my doctorate, uh, the, my chair person shared with me that she had, um, been gone for, for like a week for took vacation or something. And she came back and there were all these emails piled up and she said, she just went, clicked on the first one, clicked on the last one, delete and deleted the entire backlog of emails. And she said, you know what? It didn't end the world. And the people who really needed to get a hold of her resent emails or picked up the phone and called her. And the stuff that was junk was just gone. And I was like, <gasps> you know, Miss Responsible here. I'm right. like, how could you do that? And and uh, so she, her encouragement to me was just turn the emails off while you're writing your final project. And I had to, you know, just learn to, that's not the priority right now. Mm-hmm. This is the priority. And sometimes the priority is me. Yes. Yes. Um, hard to get to, especially when we're in that younger building the career, building the family, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. And, you know, and when I was the CEO, I was a single mom of teenagers. And so I was the boss at work. I was the boss at home. Everybody needed a piece of me and everything. And sometimes, and I just had to say to my kids, I need 30 minutes when I walk in the door where you don't ask me a question. You don't ask me to make a decision. Please give me 30 minutes. And a lot of time, what I actually didn't then did started doing was I'd do yoga. The minute I got home, I'd get home, change my clothes and do a 30 minute yoga practice. And that like really changed my focus. Cause when you're trying to balance 
you when you're trying to do tree pose or something and you're mm-hmm. focusing on that dent in the wall, you know, to keep you from falling, you can't think about all that other stuff. Right. And, um, and I found that really helped me as well. I'm not a mom. I'm a fur mom where I have a mm-hmm. fur child, whatever. I know people hate that. <laughs> I have a dog. So, <laughs> but I understand it. Cause I even have it with my dog that uh, a lot of moms or dads or single parents sometimes have that mom guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely that they're not spending enough time with their kid mm-hmm. or that they are taking time for themselves how do we convince them that it is okay and that it's actually necessary to take care of yourself to be better yeah. for your kids and that is hard because until we've experienced it ourselves sometimes we can't learn from mm-hmm. others um, one of the triggers for me that um kind of solidified some things for me is that um, the a former president of the national organization that I that I was at the state level with um, being the president at the at the national level destroyed his health and several years after he was no longer the president of that organization he'd had heart attacks he had um, he was on oxygen li- literally on oxygen and he spoke to a group of, of CEOs uh, um, at the state and, and local levels and, you know, he used the same old thing of, you know, you have to put your oxygen mask on first, like they say on every flight, but it, it like resonated with me so much because here's this poor man speaking from a seated position. He's addressing a whole group, but he's in a seated position with his oxygen tank. He literally had to have his oxygen on before he could speak to us. And and because I had known him before he was in that position, standing mm-hmm. upright and tall and strong, and then after he'd let his health go because of all that, those burdens, that really kind of tripped me into a, oh my goodness, I'm on the path to be the one sitting there with the oxygen. I have to make a change. Um, How did that feel for you to do that? It was really scary because I ended up with atypical pneumonia in the summer. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So I fell asleep at a stop sign. And, um, and when I got to the doctor, they thought maybe I'd had a heart attack or something. And it turned out to be atypical pneumonia. And that's when I decided I had to resign from my job because I, and, and at that time, that was the first of August. Mm-hmm. I put in my resignation in October. I worked to the end of the year. In that time, I took seven trips and never missed a single day of work with atypical pneumonia. And I just, it was like, I can't keep doing this. I'm killing (laughs) myself. I am literally killing myself. And it was seeing someone else doing it. And then Matt recognizing that pattern in myself that really gave me the wake up call. And now I, you know, because I I did flame out and Mm -hmm. crashed and burned I don't, I hope that people, other people don't have to do that. I don't want them to get to the point that I was, you know, my dad always said to me, you can't possibly live long enough to make all of the mistakes in the world. So please learn from mine. And that's what I say to to my clients or to potential clients or something is please learn from my mistakes, learn from where I was and go, I don't want that to be me. And it's real. And there's enough books out there. There's enough YouTube. There's enough podcasts. There's enough out there of people sharing their own experiences. It's real and it's going to happen. It can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so learn from my mistakes. What is the biggest thing that you hope that your kids have learned from watching you be that workaholic? But Mm -hmm. then transition to having your own business, helping other people and being successful at it. I do see a much better work-life balance in my kids. They're both SPs though. Mm -hmm. So that perceiver, that SP drive is to have fun in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that helps them be that way. But also having watched me, they are more careful to make sure that they're doing more of the living in the moment and taking their time off and going for them. It's hunting, fishing, camping, you know, not everybody likes the same things, but that's what works for them. And uh, my son works in a, in the medical field 
and he's done very well with taking the time off and and realizing what makes him happy and then going and doing that on a regular basis. I would love to hear a little bit about your book. So mm-hmm. what inspired you to write? Um, well, I had the idea in my head for some time, um, but then when I had to write a final project for my doctorate, I was like, oh, well, now's the perfect time to force me to get it actually done. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I do have a background in journalism. I've worked for newspapers and stuff, so I've always enjoyed writing. Uh, but the book is called uh, Knock It Off, How to Quit Being a Jerk at Work. And it's, you know, 30 plus years experience of me sometimes being that jerk at work. Um, and then other times um, ex- experiencing other people's behaviors. And um, and I just you know, it's, so it's funny. It's got some cartoons. It's, it's my experiences, but then there's real research in it as well. And, and just goes over, you know, the first section of the book is, you know, how to get to know yourself is how do you sell yourself if you don't know yourself? Mm-hmm. So, and then the second section is first impressions, you know, from everywhere, from how you dress um, to your voicemail, when you're looking for a job, your email address, when you're looking for a job, um, you know, uh, body posture, all those, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, unconscious bias, every, everything and your resume. And, and, uh, and then the next section is now you've got the job. Now what? And, uh, you know, quickest ways to lose the new job, um, ways to become indispensable in your job. And then the final section is on how to, how to know when it's time to leave and how to do so gracefully so that you don't burn those bridges um, professionally. So you know, I love it. And just based on the title, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people receiving the book, maybe yes. from coworkers, yes. Yes. anonymously, <laughs> potentially is going right. to happen. So one of my sons, he's like, uh, so can I get several copies? And then I'm going to like highlight dog ear to my coworkers. Yeah, this, this, also this. Yeah. yeah. What's next? Do you, do you see another book in your future? I am thinking of this being um, a series, the Straight Answers series. Mm -hmm. Um, So this one is Straight Answers, you know, to why you're not getting hired or excelling in the workplace. And I'm thinking the next one, whether they'll read it or not, um, to bosses. I'm Mm -hmm. toying with the title uh, being, hey boss, it's not them, it's you. And how how the bosses have the responsibility for creating the uh, the organizational culture, mm-hmm. and if they have an unhealthy culture, it's often because of their own behaviors or the things that they're tolerating. So I'm going to need that book as soon as you're <laughs> done with it to send out <laughs> to some people. Not anybody I work with now. Yeah, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> he is fantastic, but but I know some people who might be able to use that. Well, Gyla, we're going to take a quick turn here before I let you go, and we're going to completely shift the conversation. We're going to talk a little bit about tattoos. Okay. Now, I know between you and your kids, there's a little debate on whether or not you actually have a tattoo. <laughs> right. But your kids have tattoos. Yes, they do. So let, let's talk about if you were going to get a full-fledged tattoo, what would it be and where would you get it? Well, we've joked that um, I would get um, their heartbeats across the, the, you know, the pattern of uh-huh. their, their heartbeats across my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and my oldest says, well, then you'd have to have an, 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 um, an irregular heartbeat because he has an irregular <laughs> heartbeat. <laughs> um, but then I tell him, no, I don't actually need any, um, any type of tattoos to, com- to remember you guys by because I have the gray hair and the stretch marks. <laughs> so you've got it covered with them. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> how old were they when they got their first tattoos? And how did you feel? Oh, wow. <laughs> You're calling me out now. Um, I struggled with it because, you know, it's like they're these perfect little humans that you've been entrusted <laughs> with and they're gorgeous you know you thought you know you think your own kids are the most beautiful and then you're you're cut you're putting this 
stuff on there. And so my, my oldest son got his first tattoo, um, when he was on leave from a one-year deployment to Afghanistan. And it was a commemoration to friends of his that he lost over there. How can you argue with that? You just can't. You can't, you can't, you just can't say anything. And, um, and then my next son, um, they had made a pack. They were together when the oldest son got his tattoo Mm -hmm. and they'd made a pact that when my next son was in the army, that, that they would be together and he would get a similar tattoo. So, and then my daughter was with my daughter-in-law when she got her first tattoo Mm -hmm. and they made a pact they'd be together. Um, So the second, the second children's tattoos Mm -hmm. all happened at once together, together as a family. So I'm holding my granddaughter in my arms. And I said, Riley, do you want to come watch Auntie Gina desecrate her body? (laughs) That did not go over very well. But I've gotten over it, you know, in my generation, the people who had tattoos were the guys that were in prison or the, mm-hmm. the bad guys, you know, or military. And, you know, now both my my boys have been military. And, you know, so it took a little bit of that and it getting past that, that it's it's a different generation, it's a different mindset. And I I don't care now. It's not going to change how I love how much I love them. I, I get it though. I get it. I, I feel the same way. You know what I mean? Like I have a lot of tattoos, but I still judge people with certain tattoos or tattoos right. in certain areas. Exactly. Like the yes. face. That's a no yes. zone for me. Yes. Yes. And I actually talk about that in my book. There's a whole section on tattoos and, pro- and professionalism and stuff. My daughter-in-law worked for a, an employment agency. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy that just never got decent jobs. And he was really complaining about it and, and to her. And she's like, do you really not understand why you're not getting jobs? And he's like, no. And he started calling it race or something. And she goes, no, it's because you have fuck you tattooed across your lip. And she's like, get it removed, grow a mustache, something. But, you know, and he was just oblivious to how that affected his, his him professionally. I can't think of a worse face tattoo. Yeah, if I'm exactly. being honest. I know, really. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Well, and now I can't let my sisters listen to this podcast because I said that word. <laughs> earmuffs, earmuffs on the sisters. So, because we know that a lot of our our viewers and listeners have tattoos and love tattoos. What's your advice for tattoos in the workplace? If you want to have an offensive tattoo, what others would consider offensive, it's obviously it's not going to be offensive to you because you're getting it. But if it could be seen as offensive, put it somewhere you can cover it up. Um, Because the main thing is when, you know, a lot of people, it's Mm self-expression. You you know, your tattoos are for you. They're they're your self-expression. But when a boss is hiring, they are hiring you to represent their business. They are not hiring you to express yourself. So if you want a job in certain areas, like particularly professional fields, the, you know, lawyers, um, doctors, there's still some stigma against that. So just be careful where you have them placed so that you can cover them if you need to. Because I know one girl that um, she she lost a job because she had a finger tattoo and it was in the medical field and wow. they required that they be removed or covered. And she had to wear a Band-Aid every day mm-hmm. to cover it. And one day the Band-Aid fell off and someone reported her and she lost her job. Wow. It, it's still a serious issue That's... in some fields. Well, and I, I mean, I work in a professional field and I just cover, like, I know that I'm going to wear long sleeves when it comes down to it, because I understand that not everybody loves tattoos as much as I do. I do not have any tattoos that say, fuck you. (laughs) So that, that's That's a win. That's That's a a win. win. And that's going to be our other advice for the episode. Don't put candles in your toes. Don't get a fuck you tattoo, particularly on your face. Yes. I feel, I feel like we have really strong, healthy tips. 
I agree. Mm-hmm. Gyla, where can people find you? So if they want to talk to you about coaching, if they mm-hmm. want to grab this amazing book that is coming out soon, or if they want to talk to you about your kids tattoos, <laughs> where can they find you? Uh, so I am on Facebook, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, I have the private, you know, I mean, the personal pages and also Dandelion Leadership Coaching uh, pages. And then uh, my website, dandelionleadershipcoaching.com. And uh, any email, Gyla, G-U-Y-L-A, at dandelionleadershipcoaching.com. And the book is currently available for pre-order for the e-book. It is available for pre-order anywhere you get your e-book. And then it will, it's supposed to drop the first week of August. Mm -hmm. And then the paperback will be available shortly thereafter. Awesome. And it will be available in all places where you get books. <laughs> Fantastic. We we like to recommend Barnes and Noble here. Uh, I'm okay. also an Amazon fan. And it will be available in both places. Perfect. Gyla, you have been truly a treat. I absolutely <laughs> have loved chatting with you. And I'm Thank so you. thankful that you decided to hang out with me today. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's good to talk with you. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Gyla as much as I did. I truly appreciate all the advice she gave about taking care of yourself and how important that is. I also love her analogy about taking tiny steps and going one step at a time to make things feel less intimidating and less overwhelming. So remember, until next week, you are strong enough, you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.